G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's take a few minutes to get a focus on human trafficking and the work that is going on to try to eradicate what we know as modern-day slavery. Andrea Takaji is the Executive Founding Director and Human Rights Advocate of Fighting for Justice Foundation. And she is a researcher in international human rights law and trafficking. And Andrea is joining us. Hello, Andrea. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Andrea, when we talk about human trafficking, and I know there are a lot of dimensions, but in a nutshell, describe Mm. what's happening around the world and just how significant this problem is getting. Absolutely. Listen, we do know that human trafficking affects every country in the world. Um, this, this comes from a United Nations report. Global Slavery Index tells us there are an estimated 46 known, uh, 46 million known slaves in the world today. And unfortunately, uh, a large percentage of them, 70% of them, are in our Australasia region. And that, of course, includes India and Southeast Asia. So we, as a developed nation in Australia, really have a responsibility to understand the demand we're creating for these slaves. We also know that of those 46 million slaves in the world, 85% are women and children. And they're often vulnerable people. They are often targeted by criminals. And uh, Fighting for Justice Foundation seeks to curb the demand of human trafficking even before it exists, even before it starts. So it's a unique approach to what we do. Now, let's get this uh, clear for our listeners. You are a lawyer and the Fighting for Justice Foundation is described as the only international human rights advocacy lobbying organization that's focused on the eradication of modern day slavery and the way you do it by curbing its demand through law reform and policy shifts of social norms around our region. Now, that's quite a mouthful, but it's a legal approach uh, in the yeah. advocacy that you do. How, describe for us how you go about doing that. Absolutely. So there are wonderful organisations, uh, you know, rescuing, rehabilitating, even prosecuting uh, traffickers and rescuing the victims. But curbing its demand is seeking to stop it before it begins. So through uh, law reform and uh, political advocacy and uh, community education on that advocacy is where... Fighting for Justice Foundation really targets its work. And so we do that by looking at the international best practice model. So I'm doing my PhD on this. And um, this is an area of research I've been doing and speaking on and advocating for since 2009. So the Nordic model is something that has been not only practiced in Sweden where it's originated, but in seven other countries around the world now. And it's an implemented approach to protect victims, uh, particularly through the 
the adult industry from human trafficking, as well as providing alternatives such as exit programs and community education as a form of prevention and rehabilitation. So Fighting for Justice Foundation is doing this at the moment. Uh, You know, we're launching these projects. Uh, in the ACT as well as nationally and we're working in partnership with other organisations so I'm on the board of NORMAC Nordic Model Australia Coalition and our director is a survivor herself so she's a great advocate in this space and she has Simone Watson has a wonderful voice and a wonderful passion um, for this legislative reform approach Now when you talk about the Nordic model uh, you're clearly you're talking about sex trafficking prostitution now there is a defined link isn't there between the legalization of prostitution and human trafficking and that's why you've got to come up with some sort of a new model because the old models are not working. Yes absolutely we see that in countries like Germany in New Zealand, as well as in states like Victoria. When prostitution is legalised, criminal activity thrives and illegal brothels pop up everywhere. So it's a huge problem. But I would argue, I would say that, um, you know, human trafficking and uh, sexual servitude even begins with uh, pornography. So there are women in that side of the adult industry that either stay through force or coercion or they are brought into it by force or coercion. And so we create a demand actually by engaging with prostitution, uh, not only at at that stage, but when we decide to engage with pornography. Because pornography is just you know, thinking in the mind on something. And of course, then a man that engages uh, with that material wants to act it out. He turns to the adult industry, which creates a demand uh, for the service. And so we're seeing this link and it's now recognised in various international studies um, and of course the damage, the harm that pornography causes is uh, recognised internationally by neuroscientists, so uh, doctors around the world. It has a very addictive quality about it. It also leads to things like impotence and it also, um, of course, ruins... um, not only intimate relationships, but the neuron pathways in the brain, the pleasure senses. So the destruction is uh, personal for for the person engaging in this act of watching pornography, but also the act of um, who who do you you don't know who's behind the screen, that woman, uh, and of course then women who are coerced and forced into the adult industry as prostitutes as well. You're describing a process and you're saying, well, a lot of this likely uh, for a Western nation like ours starts with pornography, and which is like a promotion of a promiscuity. But then, and you're talking typically, and it typically is men who will be engaging a prostitute for money, buying sex. And what you're saying is those are foundations because if there wasn't a demand for the prostitution, there wouldn't be women and children who were dragged Mm. into this trafficking. So if you can actually nip it in the bud at the beginning, if you can address those issues, then you will save a lot of women and children a lot of so much incredible heartache. 
Yes, absolutely, Neil. We saw just um, this week and last week uh, instances of Australians, unfortunately, harming children overseas. So Peter Scully in Philippines uh, was harming a child not yet two years old. And so the Philippines government has called for the death penalty for him. And then, of course, more recently, we saw the report of Michael Quinn, who is a rugby player down in Victoria, who went over to the US and was caught uh, wanting to procure and wanting to rape um, a six-year-old boy. And so we're seeing this um, time and time again, Australian men going overseas. So it's not just an Australian issue, of course, and it's not just an Australian responsibility. The, the brilliance, the wonderful aspect of the Nordic approach is that it brings alternatives. So with Fighting for Justice Foundation, we're trying to bring those alternatives to Australia, such as education prevention programs. In well, collaboration with, for example, sorry to interrupt, Google, uh, we can put up alerts instead of a man um, searching for harmful material, a pop-up box comes up with an alternative for him to click on, which is reaching out and providing him with an education program, program program that prevents him from uh, going down that path. There's also exit programs for the adult industry uh, in other countries, whereas we don't have them here in Australia. And I'm lobbying the government to try and get funding for this because women who want to get out cannot. Their employers and their landlords or potential landlords are rejecting their applications. Society is rejecting them after they know that they're engaging in this work. That is not okay. We need to ensure that women can be rehabilitated out of this industry and that men have alternatives if they choose uh, not to go down the path of uh, continuing to uh, abuse pornography and, I would argue, abuse women through uh, paying for them, commodifying a wooden woman in prostitution. Andrea Takaji is our guest. Andrea is Executive Founding Director and Human Rights Advocate for Fighting for Justice Foundation. Now, there is a website, fightingforjusticefoundation.com. Andrea, stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're taking some time to unpack what it takes from a particular dimension, a legal dimension, when it comes to addressing the challenges of modern-day slavery. Our guest is Andrea Takaji. Andrea is Executive Founding Director and Human Rights Advocate for Fighting for Justice Foundation and is a researcher in international human rights law and trafficking. Andrea, as a lawyer and with a great lot of ideas, you are armed with tremendous solutions. You're lobbying governments. You'll speak to anyone who's working with those who are the victims of modern-day slavery. You are available to speak at seminars. What sort of response are you getting? I mean, from lobbyists, from government, from people who are in this uh, whole interest uh, industry of, of rescuing particularly women and children. Uh, tell us about the reactions you get. I really believe that the time is now to respond to this international crime, to this evil in the world that is modern-day slavery. It is objectifying women and children 
It is robbing the rights and the lives of men, women and children and it is harming so many people. And, you know, I think that in, in that context of justice, we know that this is a grave injustice. In fact, the international courts and tribunals have recognised this form of violence against women as crimes against humanity and in some cases as a form of genocide. And so these aren't small matters we're dealing with. You know, these are integrated, very organised international criminals that are behind these operations. But I'm so excited at the response because people care. You know, people understand that this is a grave uh, human right violation on these people's rights. And, you know, as a global community, we can do something about it. But as individuals, we can do something about it as well. So I speak at national and international conferences. Um, you know, I, I go into various countries to do legal training and for organizations and for law enforcement. I've just been on the uh, Thai-Burma border in a refugee camp teaching um, international human rights principles. And these beautiful people are on the front lines of being the most vulnerable people to be trafficked. Unfortunately, they are in that trafficking highway in Southeast Asia. But displaced persons, persons who don't have a home, don't have subsistence and, and regular income, are so vulnerable. And persons who don't have protection from their governments are so vulnerable to trafficking. And in fact, these people are. But I've also just returned back from America where I've had some really encouraging conversations with, you know, state departments and various lobby organizations and groups and shelters and, and judges and lawyers over there. And they're, they're implementing some wonderful programs that I'd really love to see here in Australia. So, you know, the conversation is hard to have in terms of the reality of human trafficking because, look, it's not... Um, a small, a small uh, thing that we want to uh, face and to tackle. Even, unfortunately, ISIS is dealing uh, with the commodification of flesh. They have open slave markets. They capture women and girls. And they strip them naked and they assess how much they cost just by what they look like naked and sell them online on their apps to fund their criminal terrorist activities. So, this we know is an abhorrent evil that's going on in our world today, but I believe we need a clear, a strategic, educated, collaborative response. You know, all of us can do something. And as consumers, we can look at where our clothes have come from. Uh, what is the supply chain? Is there slavery in that supply chain? We can not engage or use pornography online because even that step um, shuts down that demand and we can advocate. Everyone can tell someone else about the statistics they heard and about the problems, but also the solution that we can be part of. Reflect for me for a moment on what you think the 21st century will bring by reputation and by the development of all of this modern-day slavery, because it doesn't appear to be getting smaller. It means mm. your job is all the harder and, and there needs to be major breakthroughs. But how do you reflect on what the 21st century ahead might look like, Andrea? We're definitely at a crossroads. We're definitely at a place where we have to look at ourselves and our stands as a society 
and ask ourselves if this is what we want to be remembered for in this time. William Wilberforce is, is one of my greatest heroes, uh, you know, as, as a politician, a statesman himself, and an advocate for the abolition of slavery. It took him over 22 years to see that legislation pass. And he was a man that was faithful, but he also had so many loyal and faithful partners that he partnered with to see uh, that victory happen. So in our society, what I see needs to happen is a societal social norm shift to occur. We need to start seeing the women and children in our communities differently. For example, I cannot separate in my mind the abhorrent atrocities that go on in human trafficking, sexual exploitation, uh, and the abuse that women, uh, you know, sometimes face on a daily basis in prostitution, to things such as domestic violence and sexual assault, sexual rape in the community, because the mindset is the same. This person uh, is uh, to be controlled, to be used and is a commodity, is, is an object. And through various means, such, such as the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and, and through, you know, not only international legal instruments, but, you know, from faith, our own walk, we know that every person has the dignity, worth and value that we're made in God's image. So in this time, we have to look at ourselves and to make that shift to place the dignity, worth and value given to man by God back on them and to take it from them is the true crime. Andrea, people can invest in some sense in the rescue of women and children out of trafficking situations. But Mm. as we started talking about in the beginning of our conversation, you do things differently. You're operating at a level that can bring real societal change in so many of the nations that this human trafficking is is uh, just so dreadful. Uh, For people to support you, the Fighting for Justice Foundation, I imagine you want people to stand alongside you. You must have some way that people can link with you. If people go to your website, uh, what uh, what are they likely to find and how can they actually support? I definitely need people who will stand with me in support. There are so many uh, various ways that people can help. So if you go to fightingforjusticefoundation.com, you'll see there on the contacts page a list of ways that you can engage. If you're a law student, for example, you can uh, give through legal research. If you're into advocacy lobbying, there's space to partner with Fighting for Justice and do those things. Um, If you're an educator, uh, let's have a conversation about implementing these education prevention programs. And of course, there's always giving (laughs) because resources make uh, stuff like this happen. So there's so many ways that you can engage. Um, We do have a fundraiser this Friday in Canberra, and that is my way to connect with the community, tell them what's going on in the world of human trafficking, how they can be the solution, as well as how they can partner with Fighting for Justice. So um, please do uh, connect with us, uh, contact us, and um, would love love to hear uh, how you would like to help. Well, I'll point people to the website. It's fightingforjusticefoundation.com. 
Our guest, Andrea Takaji. Andrea is the executive founding director and human rights advocate for the organisation Fighting for Justice Foundation. That website, fightingforjusticefoundation.com. Andrea, thanks so much for sharing these things with us today here on 2020. Thanks so much. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.